You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and Nick from Fifth Quarter. Nick, I'm still catching up on sleep from last night, staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning to watch what was a very sad game for me. Not, not frustrating. I mean, yeah, frustrating, but not, not, a, not an angry walk-away feeling, more of just a sad feeling. But how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, State came out with a big win, so I was very happy with that. Um, I liked what I saw out of the Wake Forest fans uh, yesterday on TV, and it was kind of trending on Twitter too. So uh, big game boomer is going to be very nice to the Deeks for once this year. Well, I mean, they deserve to have all the shit that they were getting talked about earlier in the season, but they definitely deserve some praise. A lot of great games. I, I think you were right when you when we previewed this week, Micah, that this is one of the most underrated weeks in the ACC because the slate did not disappoint. We had a lot of great games. Um, and I will say, speaking awake, if you are a customer at Dioli's Italian Market, we had our probably our busiest couple of days, Saturday, Sunday, in the history since we've opened. I'm not exaggerating you, Micah, when I say that if we could have put two hours on all of our sandwiches, all of our orders that we took, like that were online through like DoorDash or Chow Now or on the phone, we would have, but we didn't have the option to. So we had to unplug the phone, unplug our apps because we were running two hours behind on everything. So the Wake Homecoming definitely showed up at Dioli's and at Truist Field for sure. So if you listen and you're a customer at Dioli's, because I know we do have a, a lot of Wake fans that listen to us, we apologize for being very late with orders, but that was a hectic week. But with all the hell that would ha- that happened, I'm very happy with the slate that came out this week. Yeah, I mean – Let's just jump right into it because let's be honest, the, the biggest headline right now in the ACC has got to be Wade. I mean, obviously it affected your life personally with your with you being in Winston-Salem. Of course, I'm not there anymore. I wish I still was. Heck, we'd be recording these podcasts probably at your deli if that was the case at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, make, I'd make your family at least give me 50% off every time we record it. But, you know, this is something where yesterday was was impressive. And – you know, it's kind of becoming a trend with Duke. I think Duke is dead. It was mentioned on – it's been mentioned on some national podcasts. I think it's done. Like, I think I – don't, I don't want to say Duke has quit, but they're definitely not there, – there's no momentum in Duke right now. Like, every once in a while, you know, Duke has some momentum, even if they're three and six or something like that. They're dead in the water. So, with that being said, there is, you know, a little bit of an asterisk by it. The Wake Forest, once again, did exactly what you're supposed to do to an inferior opponent. They controlled the game from start to finish. They honestly should have had a touchdown there late, to, or late in the second half. Should have been probably a 52-7 to seven game. But, I mean, they you could tell Wake Forest took their foot off the gas, and I, I think that's Cuck, or Clawson's way of kind of respecting Cutcliffe. Man, I don't think. Clawson wants to embarrass Coach Cutcliffe by any means. He's got he's got to do what he's got to do to make sure his team makes a statement. But I, mean, I think Wake Forest could have probably made this game like sixty nine to seven. 
76 to 7, somewhere in that ballpark. They had a lot of success. And, and one thing I really liked, I mean, I think you can, the recipes out there of how to slow Duke now, basically just don't let Mateo Durant beat you. But I was really impressed, with, especially with how much Wake struggled with Army's offense, how they really slowed down Mateo Durant. So that was impressive, too, for Wake Forest. I mean, my, my my biggest quarrel is why the hell is Wake Forest not higher than 10 right now? I mean, obviously the AP poll is out. Why are they 10? Why in the hell are there teams like Notre Dame ahead of them? What have those teams done that's more impressive? Like, what is Notre Dame's best win? It's probably an ACC team. I mean, it's just ridiculous to be completely honest with you like Notre Dame's best win might be going to Tallahassee winning the game <laughs> I just don't understand that but I mean Wake Forest is is, is finally getting national attention <laughs> this weekend we'll see if they can uh buck the trend of that yeah uh geez okay so Wake, man I said this was opportunity game for them especially for that at defense the defense needed to show up to an inferior opponent and it did that was a great performance shout out to the fan i mean i never have seen the student section that packed out they actually go along with a theme i don't know if you knew this micah it was blackout at wake yesterday and all you saw was just see a sea of black in the student section so shout out to the students that finally showed up because they have a top 10 team now. You could debate that, yeah, they should be higher. But, man, first time in Wake Forest history that they've been top 10. But, remember, that's all going to change in two days. Uh, the college football playoff polls are going to come out. So, it's going to be very interesting where the committee, the football playoff committee, is going to put Wake. Because that's what's going to matter. That's From now on, that's what matters within the last four weeks or a month uh, of the season. So are they going to focus more on Wake's offense? Are they going to focus on their strength of schedule? How they weigh? It's all different how they weigh wins and losses right now. So can't wait for that. But uh, this was definitely a statement game. And as a top 15 team at the time, that's what you're supposed to do to an inferior opponent. So, yes, this Wake team is definitely different. We've been saying that for the last few weeks. I think since week four, week five, we've been saying how much or how different they are. They did what they were supposed to do. And as for Duke, look, end of the season, I think you just part ways respectfully to David Cutcliffe. Uh, we had David Cutcliffe on our radio show here in the triad uh, on Thursday, and we talked a little bit. I didn't personally talk to him, but our host did. And that was the main topic on Thursday because of the wake Duke game, our host was trying to really promote the wake forest game. Um, and he said, is this the last time that we're going to see Clawson versus Cutcliffe? And I think, yeah, this is going to be the last time we see Cutcliffe and Winston Salem. I think this is going to be the last time we even see them matched up against each other, each other when next year they're at Durham. So uh, just Duke, just keep trying your best, I guess, to, at the uh, for the rest of the season. See what you can pull out. Uh, but Wake, great win, and they move on. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you just Sam Hartman, hell of a game too. 
Yeah, the thing that drives me nuts right now is why Sam Hartman's not getting any national attention. Like, I understand, like, he's not having having the insane type of just, you know, sling the rock like Kenny Pickett or Brendan Armstrong has done this year in the ACC, but you're on an undefeated team that no one even, like, at this point in the year, people were going to, like, most experts were like, oh, yeah, Wake Forest would be like, like, some people have them in bowl games, some teams don't, or some people don't. Well, they're well past that. <laughs> they're undefeated. They've been – and, like, yes, their defense is pretty good. They're the only team in the country that has scored 35-plus in every single game. I don't care what your strength of schedule is. That's pretty impressive. Like, again, will that streak continue? I think it will at least through going into the game against State. <laughs> I think I think even if Wake Forest were to lose to UNC, they're probably still going to put up 35 points. But I mean, this is impressive, and it's it's this little old Wake Forest. Like you, we take off this Wake Forest brand, Nick, and we put Clemson's logo on here, and they're the number two team in the country. Like, let's just yeah, here. Like you just take it's like to be honest with you, Nick. I'm willing to say that Wake Forest has a better resume than Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's best wins four and four Texas. TCU is dog shit. Yeah. Oh, so look, that, that win doesn't look good. Texas Tech stinks. Nebraska stinks. Tulane stinks. Like, at what point do we just take off the damn labels on the helmets and just look at what we're seeing? I think it's just ridiculous. Like Oklahoma's non-conference games are have all been pretty much as close as they could be. Minus I think they played like Missouri State or something like that. But again, like we're talking about a Wake Forest team that blew not blew out because maybe that's bad. Takes only a fourteen point game, but just I mean, literally did not get stopped against Army <laughs> on the road, like. That's more impressive than anything Oklahoma's done at a conference. Like, I just don't – I don't get it. And, you know, if, if people say, oh, Wake Forest team is a suspect, look at Oklahoma's defense. They're the exact same thing. Like, they're li- – Oklahoma and, and Wake Forest are the exact same team. One is ranked number three and one – or I think they're number four because Bama jumped them. But yeah, five now. Maybe they're five now. Aren't they five? Because didn't Mississippi or Michigan State jump up to four now? I think, I think Oklahoma fell to five. Let me see real quick. I just had it up. No, they're still oh, four. They're four. Yeah, they're, they're four. four. Oklahoma is number four, and Wake Forest is number ten. Why? Like why? <laughs> it's I think unbelievable to me. With with the Sam Hartman, you know, kind of like okay, why isn't he getting Heisman talk? There might be a reasonable explanation for it. I think it's because um, Wake didn't really surprise. Us like you and me, Micah. I called them as my dark horse team to watch out for in the preseason. I think uh, you were really high on them too going into the season. I think why is because people are now starting to realize that Wake is in the top 10. They're like, wait a minute. I put out this tweet last night on my personal account. A hot take that shouldn't be a hot take is that every Power Five conference is still in contention for the college football playoff Oregon's still good wake is still undefeated and then Oklahoma's still undefeated then you got the SEC and the big 10 so 
people are starting to realize that Wake is that national team right now. And but what is blocking Sam Hartman from getting the national hype is because I think it's within the ACC. Because who have we talked to? Who have been the big names? It's been Kenny Pickett and it's been Brendan Armstrong. And then, yeah, sure, you can throw in Devin Leary from NC State. In the beginning of the season, everyone was high on Sam Howe, DJ, and um, Derek King. And you can throw in Cunningham a little bit in there too. Now I think we see this week that the field has separated. DJ out, Derek King out, Sam out, although Sam did have a pretty good game yesterday except for the interception. Uh, Malik is still doing okay. Now since Pitt has lost and – Unfortunately, Brendan Armstrong is going to be out for a little while. You can really just point your eyes onto or point your fingers at Sam Hartman and Devin Leary at the moment. So I think as late as it was for the national media to start talking about Wake, it's going to take as long for people to start realizing how good Sam Hartman is. I mean, let's just throw out this. I have his stats right here. 2,400 yards on the season. He's almost at 2,500. 22 touchdowns, three interceptions. That's insane. And he's going to pass Brendan Armstrong by next week. Maybe Leary to maybe he'll, uh, Leary will pass Devin or uh, Brendan Armstrong too. But the, also with the Heisman race nationally, we still don't really know who's the front runner. It could be Kenneth Walker. I think Matt Corral dro- drops off a little bit maybe Bryce Young, maybe C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. There's still a big question mark, and I think Sam Hartman's going to make that question mark even bigger because people are going to start talking about him. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I want to say something because uh just going to defend my new beloved adopted team, which we'll talk about later, my new newly beloved Syracuse Orange. I would almost say that Garrett Schrader is a better quarterback right now or playing better than Devin Leary, but – that's besides the point. He looks good. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not. Maybe not throwing the ball as sh- much, but yeah. overall. <laughs> you don't have to sugarcoat it. I know he so looks good. good. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I just, man, we can, we can spend all day harping on the, on the lack of respect right now that the ACC is getting. But I mean, this is, I just don't, I don't understand. I really, I can't understand anymore. Again, not saying that Wake, I mean, I have Oklahoma above Wake Forest in my, in my ranking. And so I'm, you know, the perfect example of that. But I just don't see how you can justify Notre Dame or Michigan. I mean, what is Michigan's best win? Wisconsin loss against Michigan State. Yeah, Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin looking a lot better. I will, I will gladly accept that fact. But uh, I mean, are we just going to say that Wisconsin's win over Iowa is a really good win, though? Or a win over Purdue is a really good win, though? know about that one so anyways it's just some point you have to be rewarded for winning it's the same I mean I feel bad because I have a bad feeling Nick when the college football playoffs come out rankings come out on Tuesday which I know we're going to record after they come out it we'll see Cincinnati outside the top four because I have a feeling there because if you put Cincinnati in the top four there's a justify like if you let's say you put Cincinnati at number two it's going to be hard for them to fall out of the top four unless they lose I just have a feeling the committee is going to allow that, you know, they're going to, they're going to make the argument. Like I can see the committee almost putting Wake Forest at six or seven, just to kind of like give a big F you to 
Cincinnati. Like, to be honest, like, Wake Forest goes undefeated and Cincinnati goes undefeated. I think Wake Forest is not Cincinnati. I just think that that's how it's going to play out in the long run because they're going to reward, you know, again, like Cincinnati's best win, again, could be a uh, one-loss Houston. But it, not it's SMU who just lost to Houston. <laughs> so, I don't know. A lot of what-ifs, too early for that. But, again, Wake Forest, I mean, you did what you were supposed to do, and that's, again, that's different than what we're used to. So, I mean, this weekend's game, I'm a little shocked. People are a little bit more scared about the state game, to be honest. Like, I think Wake should be more, way more terrified for North Carolina. I mean, to be honest, I think that you have to just look at the history of that series. And, like, what is Wake Forest? Like, I think the thing with Wake Forest is I don't know if Devin Leary can keep up points for points with Wake Forest, where North Carolina can. And, again, North Carolina State has a better defense. Like, your pack definitely have a better defense. But let's not let's not you know heart like uh, you know forget the fact that they're still banged up. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, not no offense to Louisville, but I don't think that this Louisville offense is as good as Wake Forest. <laughs> so again, lots of lots of digress there. But where do we want to go next, Nick? Do we want to talk North Carolina Notre Dame? Think that's Wake Forest next opponent? Do we just want to pick a game for us? Where are we headed next? Uh. You know what? I feel like we got to talk about Miami Pitt. I like it. I like that. I like that choice. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm I'm just mad that I didn't pick that game straight up like I wanted to because on the podcast, I mean, I I'm, I think I did a good job of harping how much I thought that this was like the trap game for Pitt. Like this was the game I saw Pitt losing. Like, I thought. I mean, Miami, like Miami, Florida State, Nick, in two weeks might be more exciting than a lot of ACC games the remainder of the year. Like it might not record-wise look great, but that's two of the hottest teams right now in the ACC. I mean, I understand Florida State just lost, but let's be honest, that Florida State team was dead in the water. And they, they I mean, again, we're really a four-point loss to Clemson. Let's be honest, that last play kind of you know, screwed everything up. But, I'm so sorry to people who had Florida State covering <laughs> nine that. and a half. That's bull. If you had the under. That's also bull. I'm so there were, sorry. There were, yeah, there were there were three plays that got screwed by that play. The over-under, the team total for Clemson, and the spread. Like, yeah. that sucks. But anyways, we're, 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 let's, let's get back to Miami Pitt before we, we end up just completely changing course real quick. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Its defense is not very good. Let's just call it what it is. Like Pitt, I mean, look back at who's Pitt, who Pitt has played. What offense do you look at and go, wow, they've played an explosive offense? Georgia Tech, probably not. Virginia Tech, probably not. I mean, Clemson. I'll give them. I'll give them Tennessee. Yeah, that's true. I'll, I will give them Tennessee, and that was without Hendon Hooker. And they still gave up, what, 40 points in that game? Yeah. Like, I don't want to say Pitt's Virginia because at the end of the day, like, Pitt has, you know, has to win four games. But let's be honest. I would argue that Virginia has played a tougher schedule than Pitt at, to this point. Are they not almost the same team? If they cannot outgun you, they are not going to beat you. Like, if you're willing to match blow for blow with them, you are, like – you have a damn good shot at winning the game. I mean, I want to say one thing right here, and and I I'm, and this might be a really hot take, 
This, and then I want this. I want to make sure that I put this disclaimer out there. This is not a shot at De'Ara King. If Miami goes to Tyler Van Dyke earlier, instead of playing a De'Ara King that's at 50%, 65%, whatever, you know, there's been different percentages they've thrown out there about how healthy he really was even when the season started. We could be talking about a ranked Miami team right now. Like, I think that Tyler Van Dyke has entered the conversation of a top five quarterback in the ACC. Since the second half against Virginia, can you really tell me a better quarterback right now? Or not, you can tell me some better, obviously, but can you tell me of six or seven better quarterbacks than Tyler Van Dyke right now in this conference? Especially with just the ability to throw the football. And his decision-making has been pretty good, too. Like, he's not turning the ball over a ton. Like, this is a very impressive – like, yes, Pitt, you should have won this game. I'm not trying to make an excuse here for you. But you did just run into a team that just is, you know, being overlooked because great, rightfully so. I mean, they have, what, four losses? They had their first Power 5 win against State last week. But, I mean, this was this was impressive for Miami. And I will say, I don't think that he got out of the end zone on that safety. But I don't think it was as clearly a safety as everyone else says. And before anyone goes, oh, well, you know, it was definitely a safety. Yes, I understand the camera angles sucked, but if three camera angles can't clearly prove it's a safety, then it's probably not a safety. That's my thought process. I feel like one of the three angles would have made it pretty damn clear it was a safety. So, again, probably was a safety. I thought live it was a safety. But, I mean, Kenny Pickett had a chance to have a Heisman moment, and instead he had a – Absolutely. Like he's, I think his worst pass all season was thrown on that interception. I mean, he just completely, again, it might have been miscommunication, but he literally threw it to a DB who was beat and just happened to go to the safety that was in the wrong spot or it was in the right spot, but in the wrong spot if the, if the throw was actually on target. I mean, Pitt wins that game. I mean, they should never have really honestly been in that situation. But again, this is, it's coastal chaos. Nick, and my uh, my hot take, if Pitt does not win the Coastal, it's going to be Miami that wins the Coastal. That's my, uh, that's my take. This is coming from a Virginia guy. I think that it comes down to it. I think that right now I'd feel more comfortable. If I'm not taking Pitt, I'm taking Miami. Yeah. Um, I said, can Miami roll with the momentum? And is this a trap game for Pitt after they just beat Clemson last week? And that's exactly what happened. Miami rolled with the momentum. Now they have two ranked wins. They just knocked off 18 last week. And they knocked off 17 Knicks this week. And Micah, do you remember when we said when Miami was two and four that they still have better bowl chances than Carolina? That's starting to become a reality. Oh, yeah. Like we, we thought that was a hot take and our hot take is coming into fruition right now because if you look at the rest of Miami's schedule who do they have let's see they've got Georgia Tech Florida State Virginia Tech Duke I see two I see two guaranteed wins Georgia Tech and Duke easy wins right there for Miami now I wouldn't be surprised if they lost them but still they are riding with the momentum 
They they are probably one of the hottest teams in the conference right now, considering they just beat two top 20 teams in back-to-back weeks. So Miami, definitely not dead. Are they back in the conversation? I mean, conference record-wise, they are two and two. So, yeah, they're definitely back in it for sure. I mean, they're, they missed, field goal. they're a missed field goal away from being in sole possession and controlling their destiny in the Coastal. Really? They are. A late touch or a late interception drop. I don't remember what it was, but a late drive away from going into Chapel Hill and getting done and being undefeated in the ACC. They honestly have one of the better out-of-conference wins in the ACC. Can't believe I'm going to give App State some credit here, but beating App State's a pretty solid win, especially considering what was going on at the time for Miami. And they lost the number – well, now number five, four, whatever they are, team in the country, three, whatever Alabama is. But, you know, a top-five team in college football, I and mean, that was a lot, but again – Top five team. Actually, you've lost the two top five teams. Yeah, I was about to say Michigan State. <laughs> like, they have played a difficult schedule for two of their losses that were the big losses. And then the two close, like two clo- two losses combined by a total of five points. Like, this is this team is being, you know, very, very underrated right now. Like, I agree with you. Like, I, to be honest, like I've not been team fire Manny Diaz, but if Miami doesn't make a bowl game, Nick, I think you have to fire my Manny Diaz. That's how confident I feel that Miami should just be able to walk out on the field on any given week and at least win two more games the rest of the year. Like, I have them at seven, five, seven and five. Like I think that loss is coming at Florida State. I think I think that might be their loss, but they could like I think there's a, a very good shot. They're eight and four by the end of this. Like yeah, you think they went out? I mean, why not? Like you said, Duke stinks playing Florida State at home. And again, I'm I'm not like I genuinely feel bad for Florida or for, for Virginia Tech and Virginia because they both play very good teams on the road the week before the big rivalry game. <laughs> like again, as a Virginia fan, I'm willing to lose to Pitt if that means we can beat Tech. And I almost feel like Tech fans might be willing to do the same thing. Lose to Miami here to beat Virginia the following week in Charlottesville. Yeah, I could see that kind of being like Fuente knows I got to beat Virginia this year if I want to keep my job. So maybe he doesn't, you know, not that he takes Miami lightly, but I think Virginia Tech would have to bring their best game plan at this point to beat, beat Miami in Miami. So eight and four is definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, if Miami was going to Georgia Tech next weekend, I'd be a little bit more concerned, to be honest. That is a really good sleeper spot. And it still is, to be honest. But uh, it's just it's it's really amazing. It really is like good for Miami and Pitt. I mean, I don't know if you saw Nick the AP poll. You know, number twenty six and number twenty seven in the country are right now. Pitt and then twenty seven state. Yeah, twenty six is Pitt. Yeah, so Pitt's not getting punished. I'm not saying that again that Pitt is, you know, deserving. But let's be honest, a top twenty, like a 25, 24, 23 team loses every single week. If Pitt goes to to Duke next week and do what they should and win by forty, bet you there's a good shot Pitt's ranked again going into that North Carolina game on Thursday night. And if they beat North Carolina on Thursday night, then that Virginia game will feature a, at least one ranked opponent. Probably won't feature two at this point, but it'll at least feature one ranked opponent still or one team in that game. Like Pitt's, I mean, Pitt's season's not done. Like the whole Pitt to the playoff thing still never made sense to me. I didn't think there's like like. 
I don't think Pitt could have made the playoffs because that Western Michigan loss is way too much of a blemish, like especially if Cincinnati ran the table. Like you can't justify Cincinnati group of five, 13 and 0, and be like, well, Pitt's 12 and 1 and power five champion, but then the losses to probably not even the best team in the MAC. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, again, Pitt's idea or goal of, you know, winning the ACC is not completely gone yet. Like, they control their own destiny. They still do, regardless of what happens. I mean, Virginia does too, of course, but like they control their own destiny. So, and this is one of those things where, again, Kenny Pickett probably had a better day than Tyler Van Dyke, but one quarterback threw two interceptions, the other threw one. A losing quarterback threw two, and we all know that last one was the worst one. So, yeah, Christ of Miami. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I pretty much got on it. That kind of sucks for Pitt. They were kind of hoping for a big season and kind of control their own destiny. They still do for sure, but it looks a little bit uh, bleaker right now at the moment. But I think Pitt, they're, they're, they'll be fine, I think. I think they just ran into a hot Miami team that's riding with the momentum and their talent's starting to show off a little bit more each week. So... Uh, you look at, I agree with you. You look at Miami's schedule. They're, they're a very underrated team. And I think a couple plays, they're back in the top 25 for sure. And I think they are first in the coastal. Uh, so Miami's definitely not dead. That's all I got from this game is Miami's definitely not dead. And they could, I'm not, it's not out of the question at all that they could run the table with their last four games. Absolutely. Let's uh let's talk number twenty seven as we just talked team number twenty six with your back beating Louisville twenty eight to thirteen. This game sucks, Nick. This game was so damn boring. Yeah. Like, my goodness. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of expected the opposite of this. Yeah. And what Louisville's offense can be, and again, NC State Stevens is very very good, and they're still very very good without their piece without their key pieces being out, but. They're without key pieces. Like, I thought for sure they'd have some success. I mean, credit to State. Something that I've noticed, Nick, because one of my favorite things in the world is try to, like, read some, like, beat writer, local paper people, kind of, like, see, like, what their thoughts are after a game. Like, like the five takeaways from 24-7 Sports Virginia, 24-7 Sports Louisville, 24, you know, so on and so forth. There's a lot of talk that this Louisville team starting to quit. Remember how you were kind of more on board about the whole Satterfield drama than I was? Yeah. There's a lot of that, like, just kind of getting mentioned it around on these message boards and on these, you know, local beat writers are kind of bringing it up. Like, I don't know, but that would explain this game a little bit more to me. We'll see what happens this weekend when they host Clemson? Because if Clemson goes into Louisville and wins by us, like two scores, then yeah, I think Louisville quit. I think Louisville should beat Clemson, to be completely honest with you at home. Like what has Clemson done to make you think that they're that, like Clemson's a three and a half point favorite going into Louisville. Like right now I could tell you, I would be taking Louisville in that spread. Like what makes me think that Clemson should be a three point favorite on the road? against any ACC team at this point. Not named Duke. <laughs> so this is that's that's an interesting storyline because I me mean, again, Nick, like I'm sorry, you're the pack did not deserve to win yesterday. 
They did not play a good football game. I mean, defensively, they did. They did not, like, it took them to the, like, the final five minutes of the game to finally put it away. I mean, Louisville was handing it to him on a silver platter. Maybe you saw something different, but, I mean, this is NC State team, like, Leary's numbers looked great. 317, four touchdowns, no interceptions, only sacked once. I mean, they could not run the ball to save their life though yesterday. No. Like the leading rusher is Zonovan Knight with 23 yards. That's like I'm a Virginia fan. That sounds like a Virginia running back number. <laughs> not a good day for the pack. I mean, I get it. You've got two massive games coming up. Half Florida State at Wake. I think if you play like the way they did yesterday, they lose both of those games. Yeah. So I I really hope it was just kind of a hangover for NC State. I mean, they just lost a demoralizing game. You know, they're a little down bad. They're at home, so they feel like they should take care of business. So they sleepwalk through the first half. And they did wake up throughout the game. I mean, I'm not going to lie, when Louisville scored first, I got a little scared there. I'm like, uh-oh, this could be one of those, like, shootouts. I mean, obviously, did not turn into anything close to that. But I thought this – I thought, to be honest, this was the shittiest game of the weekend. Like, this was by far the most boring game, in my opinion, to watch. And that's including a boring-ass Syracuse-Boston College game. But at least – Yeah, that was a big tag game. game. In my opinion – had a little bit of like, you know, some pizzazz there in the third quarter. I mean, the fourth quarter was boring as heck. So I guess you could say the game was closer for NC State down the stretch. But maybe I also just have a, a hard on for my my new beloved Syracuse Orange. But that was a that was a boring game to watch. To say the Atlantic provided a lot of boring games this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think you put it best. Um... That was not what I expected. I expected this to be a very high-scoring game. Um, I think what the difference was, I think what the turning point in this game was Louisville going for the field goal at the fourth quarter to make it from 14 to 10 to 14 to 13. And the very next possession, State scored. They They go three and out, and State scored again. So I think... When Louisville was driving down the field, they were starting to build momentum and they were um, hoping to score. And they were right there in the red zone. Um, And State's – I mean, shout out to uh, – not Thayer, the other Thomas brother. Uh, I always get them confused because we just got their little brother for the 2023 class. Um, The other Thomas linebacker – he had a he he uh, had himself a damn game. A few tackles for loss, uh, a couple of, uh, huge other tackles in the open field. That drive Louisville had when State stopped them to force them to kick the field goal. That was all on Thomas. He uh, no undoubtedly that stopped Louisville's momentum. It was him and him alone. Uh, he played great. Uh, it did take the offense a long time to get going. It was very frustrating as a state fan to see the running game, not going. I will say Devin Leary, man, six games without throwing an interception. That's awesome. Four touchdowns today. Uh, he looked fantastic. 
Uh, and I will give Louisville this much credit, and I'll give specifically Malik Cunningham. That is one tough SOB. He was being, being beat around that field the whole game. The linebackers, the linemen were all over Malik Cunningham. Uh, and he played his balls off in that game last night. Uh, now, I haven't seen the message boards about Louisville and Scott Satterfield. I kind of, I do a, I, you've seen it posted on our Twitter. I do an NC State rant at the radio station I work at. And I posted on our fifth quarter Twitter account. So I, uh, I had to do one on Thursday and I didn't, I did not know I was supposed to do one. So I kind of just, made one up on the fly without any notes or anything. And yeah, Louisville looks uh, really looked really good to me at the moment. So I still said, I, uh, even though I didn't believe it at the, at like on Thursday, I said, Scott Satterfield is on his way out the door. He keeps saying how the airport's three minutes away. Uh, well, I guess that's actually starting to come true now. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of Louisville. I mean, again, NC State's really good this year. Uh, their defense, I, I shout out to the NC State defense. I mean, when you're missing Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson and uh, a couple of defensive linemen and you only let Louisville score 13 points, that's very impressive. But the offense, man, they cannot be caught sleeping. Uh, the next two weeks and you know what I'm going to say they can't be caught sleeping the next four weeks to finish off the schedule because all of a sudden Syracuse looks good uh, it's hard as hell to play in Winston-Salem if you're NC State that's probably going to be like the best ACC game we have all year um, I'm not excited for Florida State because Florida State looks good and then of course the rivalry game against Carolina so state schedule if you're an NC State fan and you're thinking, okay, all we got to do is just – the only game left on the schedule we got to worry about is Wake Forest. We could beat Wake Forest. We're in the championship. Let's take a step back. Take it one week at a time. Florida State's not dead. Syracuse is not dead. And UNC, it's a rivalry game. They still look – you know, that offense still looks really, really good. Wait, State needs to take this one step at a time if they want a chance at the ACC title game. That's all I'm going to say. But um, great game for State. Uh, they they at, at the half, it didn't look like they deserved to win. It was very frustrating to watch. But I think that turning point in the game was Louisville going for the field goal. And uh, Drake Thomas, I don't know how that came in my head. Drake Thomas stopping Louisville in the red zone. Um, that's all I got on this game. Yeah. Let's move to another boring game then. Syracuse okay. College, 21-6. I mean, I feel really bad. I did my bowl projections today, but I still have Boston College getting to a bowl game, and I don't have Syracuse getting to a bowl game. Syracuse has five wins. Boston College has four. However, Syracuse's remaining schedule, by week, at Louisville, at State, Home against Pitt. They're probably not going to be favored in any one of those games. Oh, shit. Yeah. Louisville or Pitt is probably their best chance, in my opinion, to get a win. They can honestly win them all. Like, this Syracuse team has the ability to win them all. 
The problem is Syracuse loves to play in way too many close games for me to want to go, yeah, this is the game they win. This is the game they lose. Like, I think this team has changed a little bit, but this is also the team that found a way to lose against Wake when they should have won. Lost to Florida State when they should have won. Lost to Clemson when they should have won. It's better than Clemson playing them at home. So you're going to blow that one. Louisville's better than Florida State. You can do that one. State's better than Florida State. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I really want Syracuse to go bowling, and it's getting kind of obnoxious in the sense that, like, Syracuse fans think that we hate them, especially me. Like, I have them 10th in my power ranking. I guess that's not good enough. It's like, you haven't beat anybody. Your best wins, Virginia Tech on the road. Or Liberty, if you want to count that. But, you know, at this point, like, everyone's kind of matched. Like, it's a cluster F in the power rankings. But Boston College is not very good either. But at least Boston College has Georgia Tech on the road, Florida State at home, Wake at home, Virginia Tech at home. Like, there's a good chance BC wins two of those games. So, again, this BC team also might be dead in the water because they have not looked good since Clemson. They haven't. Like, they got blown out by your pack. They lost pretty handily at Louisville. They lost pretty handily at Syracuse. We'll see if they can kind of find some energy here. I mean, when I talk about gross numbers, listen to the passing numbers. I take back my statement that, that your pack game was worse than, than Boston College Syracuse because I just got to watch pretty much the third quarter of Boston College Syracuse. It was a little bit more exciting because at least there were points in that quarter. Here is the stat lines for both quarterbacks. And you tell me who had what. One quarterback, 5 of 14 for 65 yards. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. The other quarterback, 9 of 17 for 93 yards, zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Gross. Yeah. That's gross. Uh, I'm going to say whoever had the 93 yards was Grossell. Yep. Grossell had 93. Schrader had 65. Difference was Sean Tucker. And then, of course, Grossell, excuse me, Schrader had a beautiful run as well. Uh, for a touchdown. I think that one was a little over 40 yards, maybe even more, a little less. But the, my favorite part, I don't know if you noticed this, Nick, but Boston College actually, I don't I, I don't know if Grossell got hurt or what. They actually went to Moorhead. Moorhead threw for 87 yards. He was 6 of 15. He was sacked four times. <laughs> he was 6 of six of 15. Jeez. There's kind of a quarterback controversy at BC, like like BC Virginia Tech Friday is going to be. I'm very disappointed. I'm well, man, disappointed. I will be on a flight during that game, so I will not get to watch much of it, minus my two hour layover in Denver, because I'm actually headed to El Paso, Texas to watch my beloved UTEP Miners and UTS Roadrunners go head to head, because who doesn't love some CUSA action? But it's just that game is going to tell us a lot about both teams. Like Virginia Tech looks better. Boston College, like if Boston College loses this game, they're definitely not going bowling. And they're definitely like that's it. Like that's that's the end of the bowl train because you're not winning two of three at Georgia Tech, Wake at home, Florida State at home. Like you have to win this game if you want to be looking at a bowl game. I mean, same in a way for Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech's in a little bit better spot, but it definitely would solidify Virginia Tech for a bowl game. I think that would actually would that be Virginia Tech's sixth win or would it be their fifth win? would be their fifth one. But still, I mean, this game was just – like, I really don't want to spend much time on it. Like, good job, Syracuse. You won the game. You didn't have a letdown spot, but gross. 
like this interception that the Saints just threw against the Bucks. Like literally, when I say gross, like he literally just threw it to Anton Winfield. So gross. <laughs> Winston got hurt, so it's I don't even know who the I, it, I don't know if Hill's still there or not, but whoever the quarterback is now for the Saints just threw it. Absolutely no, it's Herman Heeman something. I don't know. It was gross. Absolutely gross. Yeah, uh, yeah. I won't spend too much. I won't spend too much time on this one. Uh, God, looking at Syracuse schedule, it's like okay, Syracuse. Like maybe you get a couple wins here or there, like when we were talking about a few weeks ago. Like, could they go bowling? I don't know. But hey, did we? I mean, three, four weeks ago, did we think that they were going to beat Boston College? No, but they did. Uh, so I'm not going to count. Syracuse out. They just need one more, and that's a great season for them. I mean, they've already exceeded my expectations by a mile. Um, here's a hot take, though, Micah. Uh, the way Boston College is going, they might be the last team in the Atlantic. They could easily finish last. They don't have yeah. a conference win, um, and they could lose out and be four and eight. That one shocked me in the least. Uh, they just look disgusting. And I think it's because we were so high on them because of the easy out-of-conference schedule. And, yeah, sure, you could say they played Missouri, but Missouri is garbage. They are the worst SEC team right now, I think, behind Vanderbilt. And they almost lost to Vanderbilt uh, this week. So Boston College, yikes. I mean, I'm looking – this was a gross game. This was gross. There was one field goal scored in the first half. And then one field goal again by Boston College to make it 6 nothing. And then Syracuse just started uh, with the run game, scoring touchdowns, and they had a uh, punt return. So, Syracuse, very happy for you. You need one more win. You're bull eligible. Who would have thought, right? But, Wow. A uh, hot take, Boston College may very well finish last in the Atlantic. And we add them in the conversation of, all right, top four, Wake, State, Clemson, BC. That's who's going to be ba- be battling for the Atlantic. And ever since the NC State loss, because we didn't really count them out against Clemson, but since the NC State loss, it has looked very bad. So that's all I got. Congrats to Syracuse. They're exceeding expectations. I think Dino Babers uh, definitely still has a job, especially if they get one more win. So um, I'm good to move on from this uh, ugly stepsister game. This will be a perfect transition. Who is more frustrating right now as like an ACC fan? Western College or Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech loses 2017 to Virginia Tech this weekend at home. And to be honest, I mean, I think Virginia Tech did come to play. I'm not taking anything away from the Hobie's performance. Great. Like, those players, those players have not quit. No matter what the, the, the rumors are around Fuente, those guys are still giving it their all. So that's going to make them dangerous in a sense of, I mean, they should go bowling. But Georgia Tech, what in the – like, at some point, you've, you have to just – have a killer instinct. Like, again, I'm not team fire Jeff Collins, but I'm getting really annoyed that Georgia Tech, like, they're losing in the most, like, like you know, normally teams lose 
in the same type of way, like Virginia Tech, late, bad situation, like bad play calling, whatever it might be, just not, you know, taking their foot off the gas, whatever you want to say it was. Florida Tech, blown out by Virginia, puts a last second effort to give us, you know, make it look interesting on the scoreboard and can put a scare into Virginia for sure. Hit, you just get run out the building. Clemson, you kind of did the same thing, but in a low scoring game, comparatively what you did to the Virginia with a high scoring game. The Northern Illinois game, you basically just choked that one away. Like you started slow, you battled back, and then you let Northern Illinois take advantage of it late. I mean, this week was, I would almost say this was Georgia Tech's worst performance. And that includes that pit blowout. The defense was awful against Pitt, but offensively they weren't too bad. This was just all around, like, they just looked very, very, like, very dead. They went for it and couldn't get it on fourth down. I mean, I think, let me, I want to make sure I'm getting the right read on this. Yeah, I mean, like, you gave up 487 yards to a Virginia Tech team who has not really moved the ball. They got the, like, Virginia Tech was able to, like, pretty much be very efficient. I mean, red zone efficiency for Georgia Tech, one of two. That's going to kill you in games like this. I mean, undisciplined penalties and two turnovers. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's uh, at some point, yes, the schedule is tough. But they're looking at a very good shot of four and eight right now. Maybe even three and nine if, they, if Boston College needs that game for a bowl and they come into Atlanta and get it done. Like, that's unacceptable for what, what we think this team has the capability of doing. I don't understand they're young, but like Virginia Tech, again, great win. I, I'm I'm probably going to give more to Virginia Tech here. Like they played better than I expected for sure. But like, to be honest, Virginia Tech did not look like world beaters. I would say Virginia Tech probably played about as well as they did against Syracuse. Maybe a little bit worse because defensively they were terrible against Syracuse. I don't know. I, that was a frustrating game because, again, I, I'm very happy that the Hokies won in, in a sense of like I'm, I don't want to see that program just completely just fade off into, you know, nothing this season. But I just I, I, I'm done trying to figure out Georgia Tech, actually. That's probably my takeaway. I'm just done trying to figure it out. I'm just gonna automatically say they lose every week. That's what I'm, that's gonna be my new like. Every week it's a loss for Georgia Tech, no matter who they're playing, unless it's like a group of five team that they should be favored by. But even then, NIU happened. So, yeah, um, you know when you ask the question, if you're a Boston College fan or a Georgia Tech fan, like who's more mad? I was gonna say Boston College because of the high expectations you kind of had going into the season. You start off 4-0. and It looks really, really good. Now you're 4-4, four and four, and bull eligibility looks kind of bleak at the moment. But now looking at Georgia Tech's schedule, I mean, dude, that was supposed to be a win. I don't know how Georgia Tech doesn't win this game at home to a Virginia Tech team that has looked – dead the last three weeks um okay they didn't look at it dead against notre dame but they looked dead against Pitt, and they looked awful against whoever they played last week i don't remember syracuse, uh, syracuse thank you um 
Yeah, now you're you're literally staring three and nine in your face. You had to get this win to, I mean, again, it was going to be hard to be bowl eligible even with this win. I think I'm with you, Micah. I'm I'm done trying to figure out what Georgia Tech is. I think right now, yeah, I was going to say Boston College, but I feel like Boston College is going to have a better record. But you know what? You have to ask, like, the actual fan. And you know what? They're playing each other. So maybe I'll have a better answer for you in two weeks on November 3rd or after November 13th. So maybe I'll have a better answer for you. But what Georgia Tech is staring at right now is a 3-9 and season. And your best opportunity is to play Boston College, who looks dead right now. But, I mean, you look even more dead. Like, you we thought Virginia Tech looked dead. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just lose to Boston College. You got to play next week. You got to play the hottest team in the ACC right now who's riding off of two big ranked wins in a row. You have to play Notre Dame. And uh, then, oh, by the way, you got to play the number one team in the country. Now, if Georgia Tech ends up going 3-9 and nine in this season – I'm still not on the fire Jeff Collins bandwagon. I still think he's a great coach. Although this, I think, is probably the worst performance uh, for Jeff Collins this season and maybe dating back to last season as well. Um, Because before then, they've been showing life. They showed that they can compete and do this and maybe get five wins on the season and maybe pull off a miracle and get full eligibility. But you had to beat Virginia Tech. And if you can't beat a team that has looked dead and that we've been writing off forever and that we've been saying that their coach needed to be fired the Sunday after the Syracuse loss, I don't know. But I'm with you on that. I'm done trying to figure out Georgia Tech. They could easily finish 3-9 and nine, um, when we were so high on them. At least me. I know I was high on them, but – that's if all Georgia Tech finishes three and nine, his seat's got to be warm. I'm not saying – His seat's definitely warm. His seat, he's got to go into the season with like a, hey, man, like maybe not – because, again, their schedule – like they're automatically looking at probably two losses every year between Clemson and – and uh, But, you know, if you're not getting – like if you're not playing – like you should be playing Georgia at the bare minimum for ball, ball eligibility. Like you should yeah. – Going into that game, like, yeah, you're probably not going to win that. But at least that game has something besides just rivalry attached to it, you know? So, and it's just frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Yeah. Let's see. What's – let's – we've got a couple more games to cover, actually. Jeez. Let's try to speed this up. Florida State Clemson, 30-20. My takeaway – Clemson's clearly the better team right now. Florida State is definitely trending in the right direction. Mike Norvell should not even be on a warm seat at this point, in my opinion. Like, Florida State's probably going to miss a bowl game just because their schedule is not ideal. But, Nick, I'm calling it early. I know it's not a preview. Your Packer losing to Florida State next week. Oh, uh, stop. Your Packer I'm not getting my hopes up, so. I think that that's the biggest look ahead for – I mean – I mean, if you're state, you don't want to look ahead for a state, but you can't tell me they're not chopping at the bit for the weight team. 
No, I, I mean, I said it. I, I just told state fans, if you're listening, don't look ahead. Do not look ahead. Like, you have to you have to focus on Florida State. You're, you're, you're Packer, a three-point favorite going into Tallahassee. So. Yeah, I, I don't like that, Micah. I don't like that. We were a three-point favorite going to Miami, and look what happened. I know. I don't I... like us favored on the road. And Florida State is dangerous. They are. So – I'm not, I really don't want to spend much time on this because this game, in terms of grand scheme of things, really isn't that meaningful, to be completely honest with you. It was a it was a very fun game, to be honest. It was very competitive. I'm glad that it was enjoyable to watch. But, yeah, Clemson, Clemson has definitely proven to me that they are – they're like a normal Auburn team. Does that make sense? Like, they're, like, no better than, like, 21 in the country out, like, at their peak – they're not like they're not a bad team. They're just not like anything special. Like they're not like someone you're gonna write home about. Like I actually have Auburn playing Clemson in a bowl game, and I'm actually really excited for that. But like if that were to happen, of course, I mean, how much how much of my bowl prediction will actually? I don't know if that's gonna happen now with Auburn. I mean, oh, you think Auburn's gonna finish higher than than Ole Miss overall with Auburn still having to play or play Alabama? Yeah, I think so. I think Auburn could be Alabama. Okay. I like it. I don't know. But you know Auburn just beat Ole Miss, right? Yeah, but you know Auburn also has two losses already. Well, Clemson has – how many losses? Ole Miss has two have? losses as well. Ole Miss's toughest game left on their schedule is probably at Mississippi State. Which can, not a guaranteed win, but are you really going to pick Ole Miss there? Or pick, excuse me, pick Mississippi State to win that one? I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it's more of – it's not that I'm so high on Auburn. I think Auburn's going to get a better bowl game than uh, Clemson is. Yeah, but you have to factor in, too, Kentucky is probably going to be 10-2. and two. Oh, yeah. Georgia that's and right. Alabama getting into the playoffs. Alabama's going to take the Sugar Bowl spot. And no matter how we want to look at it, Ole Miss, if they finish 10-2 and two with one less win or one more win – or one less loss, however you want to look at it, compared to Auburn, they're probably going to finish in front of them. Like, there's a lot of good SEC, like, records that are going to be out there. So, yeah, that's true. That they're going to put – and, like, Clemson's going to get – like, they're going to get, like, a, I think – I don't know what bowl game it was. I had them in. But they're going to get a solid, you know – I mean, you, you can't tell me a bolt like a – oh, it's the uh, Gator Bowl. Like, that's a solid spot. I mean, last year, Kentucky was what? Like, the fifth best team in the SEC? That's probably what Auburn's going to finish. Yeah. And, like, I think whoever wins the ACC, whether it be Wake or Pitt, you know, is going to play in the in the in a New, in a New Year's Six Bowl. Well, then the next bowl for the ACC is the Cheez-It. So that'll be, you know, Pitt or Wake. In my case, I have Pitt going there. And then I think that they're not going to put State in the same bowl game as they did last year. So probably going to put state like it, you know, in Charlotte or something like that. So anyways, just that's long story short there. But again, this is a, this is kind of how I thought the game was going to go. To be honest, Like Clemson was a better team, but Florida state's not a bad team. So this is going to be competitive. And again, just a bad beat to get that over nine and a half covered. Um, but that's kind of all I got on that one. North Carolina, another game was kind of similar. So I don't want to group these two games together. Kind of, I mean, I did, I did pick North Carolina to beat Notre Dame, so I can't say that it's what I expected to happen. 
But if I saw Notre Dame winning this game, this is how I saw it playing out. Or they were never in full control, but it never felt like North Carolina had a grip on the game to where they were going. Just a very good back and forth game. Sam Howell, again, I feel bad for the guy. He's he's playing very well, but he's not going to get the same type of love because his defense is not very good. Man, how many ACC teams can we say that about? Great quarterback play. Defense, kind of suspect. <laughs> it's that was a it was a good game. It was a very fun game. I mean, Kyron Williams is a beast for Notre Dame. As a Virginia fan, I'm not looking forward to playing them in two weeks. He might run for 300 yards against Virginia's defense. <laughs> so this was um, this is kind of what I thought from North Carolina. And to be honest, them losing to Notre Dame does set them up a little bit better, in my opinion, to potentially upset Wake next week. So, and I think North Carolina fans would probably take a win over undefeated Wake at home than beating Notre Dame on the road. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that would be a, a more positive momentum piece, to be honest. Yeah, the the game was – yeah, I think you put it very well. Notre Dame didn't have all the control and it looked like Carolina couldn't grab – like could, could just – like they couldn't keep up. And it's the defense. Um I'm looking at Carolina's schedule throughout the rest of the year because I, I really don't have much else to put into this game. I mean, you just kind of explained it. Um, I think I think this is kind of the outcome we thought Notre Dame by like less than two scores. Um, it's always hard to play South Bend no matter who you are. Um, what's interesting about this Wake UNC game is that Wake still can if Wake loses, they're still controlling their destiny because this is an out of conference game. Now that I think that personally, I think that's stupid, but that's more of the ACC, not the two teams because credit the two teams like, okay, if we can't play each other everywhere, every year, can we do out of conference games? It, it, I, I like it. I like the effort that they're trying to like make them play each other, but I'll talk about that more when we preview it. I'll have a lot more to say. Um, UNC's path, though, to bowling is very hard still. Uh, I mean, you got the, the front row of the ACC, right? They look really, really good. And I think five, six weeks ago, we said Wake Forest is like the lighter UNC, where their defense is okay and their offense puts up numbers and they look really, really good at, at times. Now it's kind of flip-flopped, you know? But uh, it's going to be a tough game for Wake, I think. And then you have to go to Pitt. That's going to be tough because Pitt still controls. Pitt needs to get as many wins as they can to make sure they can, can, can they can control their own destiny. Obviously, Wofford should be a win. And then you're at NC State. So do I see two wins? Right now, it looks hard to get two wins. Uh, it's definitely possible. It's very, very possible. I wouldn't put it past North Carolina upset one of these teams for sure. Uh, but that's all I kind of got. Um, luckily my biggest note out of this game was how does, if this game isn't close, which it was, what are are we going to question Mac Brown? Are we going to question UNC? Like how dominant are they going to be, be next year? 
you know, with a very bad loss. And it wasn't a bad loss at all. They held their own and they played, they played as hard as they could. So that's all I kind of got in this game. Yeah. And they still don't have North Carolina going bowling. <laughs> Pull the upset, then you can go bowling. Yeah. It can happen. If you do that, you're not going bowling. Yeah. So, no, I mean, that's about as fair as it could be. Wrapping it up with ACC after dark. BYU 66, Virginia 49. Wait, I thought basketball season starts next month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that last week, too. This is football. Know? Got it. Gotcha. This is football. Perfect. Um, yeah. Takeaways, Brandon Armstrong is a man amongst boys, and hopefully he can return at some point this season. I don't – I mean, I'm trying to find it, but I haven't seen anything official come out about what his injury was. But my quarterback's running off the field saying, I broke my ribs, and then two transported to the hospital. Not the best looking uh, of signs. Holy crap, Virginia's defense looked awful. Like, they weren't in – they like – and it wasn't even like, you know, BYU was just out-scheming them. Virginia just looked lost. They were just clueless. Missing tackles in the wrong positions, terrible communications. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, to be honest, Nick, I don't think Virginia wins another game the rest of the season. Maybe, maybe I, right now I have them playing in the military bowl against Memphis. Maybe they win that one because Memphis isn't very good either. <laughs> but this is, this is alarming for sure as a Virginia fan because, like, as an outsider, a non-Virginia fan, tell me if this is a crazy take. If Virginia had – Wake Forest's defense, would they be a top five team in the country right now? Top 10. Top 10 at least. Top 10. I think absolutely. <laughs> like if this team had – if this Virginia team had – I'm even willing to say North Carolina-level defense, which hasn't been great, but, I mean, it's not been like absolute dog water. They probably are top 15. Virginia might have the worst defense in the ACC. That's insane to me. Like, don't get me wrong. When Virginia won the Coastal, it wasn't like defense was always winning games. But there were many times the defense defense would be the reason that they were in the game late or had to make stops when they needed to. Virginia could not. Like, I'm so used to as a Virginia fan. Like, yeah, bending, but we don't break. Kind of like what Wake does. No, this was complete break. Like, I mean, I can't. I I, I could not get over how much my phone was going off. 56-yard touchdown, 48-yard touchdown, 50, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, they weren't even putting drives together. Like, hold on, let me pull up this stat because this is one of my favorite stats. BYU entered the red zone eight times. <laughs> they had first and goal four times. <laughs> Nuts. Absolute bonkers. 734 yards. That's me in NCAA 14 on the freshman mode. <laughs> oh, boy, Virginia. Virginia, Virginia. I mean, I think BYU is a good football team. I really do. I mean, they're, it, it's kind of like like the, the Baylor loss isn't terrible. The Boise State loss is still an outlier, but it is what it is. I mean, this BYU team came to play. Virginia's got to stop spotting teams' leads, too. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Georgia Tech, 14-0. EYU, 21-0. Like, that's my only positive takeaway as a Virginia fan was, like, when my phone said 21-0 BYU, I almost just said, screw this. I, had, I was working. I was like, I'm not even going to, like, when I get off work, turn this game on. I mean, I'll put it on because I am a diehard fan, but, like, I'm not going to care. 
It's gonna be twenty. It's gonna be forty. Like when it was twenty-eight seven, I was like, "Yep, like Virginia can't stop BYU. This game's over." So good for Virginia for battling back and making it interesting going into the fourth. But they, again, like I said last week, they cannot put together a full game. Like if they played like they did in the second quarter against BYU last night, they are the best team in the ACC. I'm willing to die on that hill. <laughs> but the problem is, they go from that type of team. For to two or three quarters worth of playing like one of the worst teams in the ACC, almost playing like Duke in a sense. Very frustrating. I mean, thank goodness there's a bye next week, but the rest of Virginia's schedule. I mean, like again, that Virginia win, those wins over Miami, Louisville, and Duke look and, and Georgia Tech look huge. Again, I don't think Virginia wins another game the rest of the year. Like. I'm just like, when they beat Georgia Tech, I was like, again, I was so relieved because at the end of the day, we're bowl eligible. And, you know, I was hoping more for eight and four. And you can look at their schedule and say they could, they, you, maybe they're still better than Virginia Tech, especially if Armstrong's healthy and able to play. But I don't even, I don't even feel comfortable that beating Virginia Tech now. So Virginia, not a bad showing. Again, I mean, when you put up 49 points, thankfully no one's roasting Virginia that much in terms of like, you know, it's like Virginia's getting this, they're a shitty team rep, you know, like as if they had lost the game, you know, 42 to 14 or something. Again, they only lost by 17, which really doesn't feel like it feels like it was a lot worse than 17, to be honest. But yeah, this was Virginia needs to figure it out defensively quick. I understand that uh, Bronco Mendenhall is loyal to his, his guys. And sorry, Bronco, I love you. I don't want you gone. At some point, you have to move the fuck on <laughs> from loyalty when this kind of shit's happening over and over again to the defense. And also, my this is Mike. You had your little NC State rant. Why the hell are we not using our best running back to run the damn ball? We have a running back who transfers from Harvard in Darrington. He's a very solid not super quick. He's he's kind of like a Sean Tucker. I'm not saying he's as good as Sean Tucker, but he's the type of runner of Sean Tucker. He busts his first carry 49 yards to the house, and then he doesn't get another carry. What? How do you punish a back for running for 49 yards and a touchdown? <laughs> it happens way too many times. Our best running backs, because of the loyalty to Wayne Talapapa, don't get me wrong, He's a solid back, too, and I hope that he's healthy. We have a beautiful backfield, and we don't use them. It was the same thing that we had with Shane Simpson last year for Virginia, the kid that transferred from Towson. Just so done with this. I I get it. Like, you know, this is a program that's not built on getting five stars. It's about, you know, developing talent and, you know, guys sticking in the program and grinding it out and earning your number and all that stuff. But at some point, the best players have to play. And that's not happening right now for Virginia. And I'm getting really, really tired of it. And I'm tired of loyalty being enough to justify absolute piss poor performance. Like this defense sucks. Like, thank you, Joey Blunt, for what you've done for Virginia. Thank you, Devontae Cross, for what you've done to Virginia. But I don't think those guys are even going to look you in the eyes and say that they're playing very well right now. And I think it's a scheme issue. I really do. Why are we doing a three-three-five and getting like we're giving up ten yards per pass every time a quarterback drops back? That's how Georgia Tech got back in that damn game last week. Just oh, so done with that frustration. I mean, don't get me wrong; 
it's nice to be frustrated about a, a six and three Virginia team. I'm used to being frustrated about a two and nine Virginia team. But goodness gracious, at some point you have to just move on. And like I, there were a lot of BYU fans, super nice people. They were kind of talking about the Bronco Mendenhall era at BYU. And all they talked about was that was their biggest frustration was he never moves on. He never like gives up on it. I get it. It's his friends. He trusts them. Things change. It's kind of the same crap. And even Clemson's got a more justifiable case because they won a national title two years ago with that offensive coordinator. But it's the same type of argument with Jeff Scott. Like, when it's this bad, I don't care if you're best friends. Like, if you're my best friend, but my job is on the line, not my job's on the line, but it's my job to make sure that I'm putting the best foot forward for the, the program I run. Sorry, buddy. If you're not cutting it, you're gone. You're done. <laughs> and that has been a big issue for Virginia, and it's getting a little obnoxious. So, anyways, rant over. <sighs> AC week. Gotta love it. Oh, Micah. I'll be quick here because that was a great rant. That was that I applaud you. That was that was good. That was good. Um, listen, I've been high on Virginia and I'm very sorry about the loss. I tried really hard to stay up for it, but there was no way I saw BYU's first touchdown out of the half. And then I just fell asleep. I could not stay up from the weekend I had, but, uh, man, I wanted you guys to win, but look, I said it. There's a silver lining at this part of the schedule because it's two out of conference games and look what happened. Pitt lost which we thought could have happened. And you guys are playing out of conference games and you still control your own destiny. You're still first in the coastal rest up, play your hearts out against Notre Dame, get ready for Pitt, and then take care of business against Virginia tech. This is still a winnable schedule for Virginia. There has to be something done with that defense though, because that is atrocious. That is so bad. I what what in your rant, Micah? What I found the most interesting about it was how you and I agreed with you. It's not like I'm outing you right now. I agreed with you that if Virginia could run it back with Wake and UNC, they'd probably win. And I think I find it interesting that if they ran it back with the teams that you beat, they might actually beat Virginia because you're so gracious of the wins that they already got against Georgia tech, Duke, Louisville, and Miami. So I, I mean, uh, that, that is very frustrating. I, I feel for you. That really sucks. But look, the bye week came at a great time for Virginia because you got the number eight team in the country uh, coming to your house and you have to take care of business. You have to rest up. You got to figure out something on defense. Like this isn't going to be the team that represents the Coastal in the championship game if they don't shape up defense. These while these are winnable games, these are also losable games. I can't get a read on how they're going to do against Pitt or Virginia Tech at this point. Um, Notre Dame is a different story. I think it'll be competitive, but. Just be glad that at this point in the schedule, it's out of conference by out of conference. Pitt could still lose. Virginia Tech can still lose. And yeah, sure, Miami's creeping back up, but they could still lose. So you're still in first place, still control your own destiny. But man, shape up that freaking defense because now 
if the defense doesn't shape up, your offense also just took a hit with Brendan Armstrong gone for a couple of weeks. So hopefully he's been, you never know. The bye week really did come in a at a perfect time because yeah, it's a rib injury, but you never know with rib injuries. He could be back for the Notre Dame game. You never know. So um, that's all I got. Uh, Virginia, the, the offense is great. Defense, you got to shape up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was this was the UNC game just against a better team. It was. You're right. It was. Like, you know, UNC stormed out early. Virginia came back, took the lead at half. And then UNC punched them right in the mouth in the first, in the, you know, in the third quarter. Blow for blow for about halfway through the third. This case, the BYU game really wasn't until the fourth quarter that it got out of hand for BYU. Um, but this is this was the exact same type of game. And I hate, I, like, I said it before we got on the podcast. This was, like, we still, I still knew, I think a lot of people still knew that Virginia's defense was not very good. But all Virginia's defense has done the last few weeks is just for Breeze what already we knew, which was a shitty defense. <laughs> so you kind of forgot it was there for a minute because the Febreze kind of covered the smell of how bad it is. But it definitely snuck through last night and let you know, hey, this is not good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, this is, a, again, a Virginia fan, six and three going into a bye. I am very content. I am. I, I think I'm a very reasonable reasonable. Reasonable Virginia fan. I don't expect, like, I'm not expecting national titles in football. Like, I'm, I, I want a bowl game, and I'm getting that. So I'm very content with it. And I said before, before we started recording too, the biggest frustration to me was not even the loss, really. I mean, yes, Stephen stunk and it stinks to lose to BYU, but it's the potential of losing Brennan Armstrong. That's the part that has me just frustrated because it's like that loss. Could have been, you know, all right, you move on, you go into the bye week, you get healthy, you know, you move on. But it's more of, I mean, hopefully we get some good news about Armstrong. Hopefully it's hopefully it's not even a fracture. I mean, hopefully it's just like bruised ribs. Again, not saying that like that's not hard to come through, but Brandon Armstrong is a man amongst boys. So he can play in some like he might even try to play with broken ribs. I mean, he tried to play with broken ribs and he threw an interception. Like he like the thing that made me so like makes me such a big fan of his. He apologized to his players when he came off the sideline, while also getting treated for broken ribs. There, like, I should have gone down. That's on me, guys. Dude, you tried to play with broken ribs. Like, even if you threw an interception, that sucks in the moment. Like, you're trying to play for us. <laughs> like, you're not quitting on us. You're not being soft. Like, I don't know. This is uh, this is frustrating. But anyways, let's uh, Virginia's coastal. Let's get to the questions. I know we had two questions. Uh, for our, our listeners, yeah. that's why something else we want to talk about too. That's kind of within the questions as well. But Nick, you have those questions, so let's get those rolling real quick. So we're kind of running a little bit long here. Yeah, let's go through these real quick. We got two questions uh, from the tweet that I sent out this morning. Sorry, I didn't get it out last night. I thought there would be more after the Virginia game. I thought we would want to wrap that up. So, uh, but we also have one under Micah's. Uh, power rankings i thought was interesting so so we'll save that for last so the first one uh question comes from jordan copeland at j copeland underscore 13 after last night acc coastal is up for grabs who's gonna take it pitt. for me i'm you think pitt it's pitt. I mean, pitt. It's clearly pitt if not it's miami but it's pitt <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say uh 
it's 50 per for me it's 50 percent pit 25 percent virginia and you know what i'm gonna say 25 percent miami because they're in the rear view mirror they are in the rearview mirror. They are creeping back up. So that's we'll seven. If, if we're doing this tier, I'm doing 70 pit, 20 Miami, 10 Virginia. Virginia at least has the head-to-head -to, -head to Miami, so they control that to a point. But, I mean, this is – like, when I look at Pitt's schedule, yeah, there's probably there, – there's, there's a good chance they might lose again. But if you look at Miami's schedule, there's a good chance they might lose again. So, like, you know, there's yeah. – like, like I, I think the confidence level of Miami – like, if Pitt runs the table, then it doesn't matter. Where if Pitt loses again, I don't think Miami's running the table. It's not like I look at like Miami go, well, they're going to run the table, and Pitt they've got one more loss. Like, you know, it's it's just yeah, it, it's it's not. I don't think there's as much chaos as everyone's putting it out to be. Now, if Virginia <laughs> goes and beats Pitt, and Miami continues to win out, and we've got a three way tie going into the last weekend of the season, it could get a little interesting. It could get a little interesting for sure. Cause you can't tell yeah. you don't want to play spoiler to Virginia's coastal crown and Miami and Pitt, you know, they would actually, in that case, would eliminate Pitt unless Miami lost to Duke. So, which I mean, we put that past Miami and they could probably do it. The most Miami thing of all yeah. to do. So yeah. What's the next question? All right. Uh, good old JCK at JCK stands as one. If the Braves win the World Series, would it be appropriate if the Georgia Tech marching band to play the Tomahawk Chop? Listen, you have to. You absolutely have to because I watched the World Series last night and all they were talking about was how the uh, how Georgia – and like Atlanta fans and Georgia fans, like how happy they're going to be. Georgia beat Florida and the Braves are one win away from the world or world series. They just kept comparing Braves fans and Georgia fans. I kept thinking to myself that you, that's fair. That's fair. And you know what? Probably Georgia fans rule the city of Atlanta. I'm not going to lie. And I kind of, I did say that in one of our podcasts way early in the summer, but Georgia Tech is in the city of Atlanta. So if the Braves win the World Series, you have to do that tomahawk chop. You have to get like some kind of national recognition, go viral on Twitter after the Braves win the World Series. Look at the Power Five college team playing the tomahawk chop. And that would be so funny because, Micah, who in the ACC plays the tomahawk chop? Good old Florida State. Exactly. So I think not only would you be celebrating the Braves win, but you would also be taking away Florida State's thing. So absolutely, you have to play the Tomahawk Chop if the Braves win the World Series. I think that would be so funny. It doesn't matter because the Braves aren't going to win the World Series. Oh, shut up. Yes, they are. Dude, I am Team Astros all the way. They're going to make a run right here. <laughs> Damn. Okay, this is not completely ACC related, but it is in a sense if coaches get fired in the ACC. UTSA's coach Jeff Trailer just signed a twenty-eight million dollar contract extension, so averaging two point eight million annually before bonuses. Those bonuses include winning the Conference USA, or I think they're 
they're leaving for the AAC. So winning their conference championship, going to a bowl game, being nationally ranked. There's a bonus weekly for being ranked. Wow. It will also increase the salary pool for assistants, coaches, and support staff by $20 million. So um, I don't think he's leaving for Texas Tech. So Virginia Tech, if you're firing Fuente, you might want to make sure you have a replacement soon because uh, you're going to be competing with some people. And one of the better coach names out there and Jeff Trailer is probably not going to be available. Jeez, that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to watch UTSA next weekend, and I might just make a sign that says, bring me my money with just Jeff Trailer's face on it. Um, wow. Damn. Okay. And there's also, wow, there's even a cool video, like, where they, like the, the coach trailer didn't even necessarily know about, like, the deal being signed, but all the players went nuts because, you know, obviously rumors are, I mean, we not want to leave for P5 job. That's nuts. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, Astros are winning the World Series, guys. Come on, it's Atlanta. You're really going to believe in a 3-1 series lead? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair. But, but also, right. let's be honest. If the Giants aren't winning the World Series, then let's be honest, it's, it's an asterisk by it regardless. And, the, and the, if, the, if the Braves win the World Series, we all know the Giants would have won the World Series, Nick, right? Yes. Yes. So, Preach. Preach. So, who cares? Um, yes. But, all right. Uh, not to mention one. the Orioles had a winning record against the Braves. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. This isn't. This wasn't a question, but it was under Micah's uh, Week Nine power rankings for the conference. Which, by the way, Micah, our I noticed our power rankings are. This is the most similar I've seen ours. I think we, we, we had we had a pair of teams switch twice, basically all. Yeah, week. I think that's the closest we've ever been. But our top five were basically the same, or top six. Our top uh, five, I think, were the exact same, and then I think that's where the switch kind of came. Yeah, and I think our bottom like you four. Had our, yeah, yeah, I think our bottom higher, and you had same. someone else higher. Yeah, yeah, higher too. So, so uh, Thomas Hunter at TB Hunter 003, gap between one and the rest of the field feels bigger than usual. Also at Yoski 2319, wait one, wait Forest dot 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 ten, everybody else. Micah, do you agree with this? Because no. I thought this was really interesting. How, do you think there's a big gap between Wake and number two in the rest of the field? Hell no. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I disagree very strongly. Now, I will gladly – I will I will fight for, like, maybe one through three, dot, 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 you know, some gap there. Because even though Clemson's been competitive in every game, like, they haven't won a game that, like, of those top three – you know, kind of situations, but are, 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 are we all really that coming? Nick, I mean, again, this is Vegas. This isn't us doing our stuff. I don't know if you saw North Carolina is favored this weekend against Wake Forest. Like yeah. if there was that big of a difference, it wouldn't be that case, no matter who is at home. Like, I like I have Cle- I have Wake Forest winning the ACC now at twelve and one. I have them losing in Death Valley to Clemson. Wake is going to lose one of these games. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think Wake Forest is just astronomically better than anybody. Like, it's not a, again. There is definitely in terms of like 
how you should rank them. Yes, there is definitely a gap because one team is undefeated and everyone else has two losses. So that's fair. But in terms of overall, like, again, we wipe away the resumes and just line these teams up. I mean, for God's sakes, uh, CBS Sports' Jerry Palm still has Pitt winning the conference after yesterday. Like, if it was that big of a difference, there wouldn't be this much divide. Like, don't get me wrong, Wake Forest fans, you should be confident in your team. But it's not like there's this giant gap that it, I mean, again, in terms of what you're looking at standings-wise, it makes sense. But if you look at, again, like, I mean, there's, there are people out there, and I, I, don't, I, I don't agree, but I think that there's some logic behind what they're saying. I think that Wake might not even get the 10 wins. <laughs> I don't agree with that statement. But at North Carolina, NC State, and Clemson, that's a pretty damn tough stretch. And Boston College team that's kind of owned Wake Forest in recent years, especially up there. You know, like that's been one of those series like kind of with Syracuse where it's like maybe not owns a good word, but like it's definitely not like you like when Wake plays Boston College, the best team always wins. So there's a sh- – Oh my goodness. Speaking of ugly stuff, I think there was just an interception fumble in the end zone that then it was recovered for a touchdown. I don't know. Anyways, this uh this Saints uh Buccaneers games, Nick, you might want to turn it on. It's just ugly as hell. But anyways, yeah, this is I just don't I don't I don't think it's been now. I will say that there is definitely again, there is definitely a gap from like the top to the bottom pretty clearly. But again, like minus Duke. You said you 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 brought up a good point when we were talking Boston College. Like they might finish last in the Atlantic. I just said that I thought that, that there's a chance they could beat Wake Forest in Chestnut Hill in the last game of the season. Yeah. That's the 13th best team in the conference right now in our eyes. <laughs> so that's not a big gap. Like when Clemson was, I mean, and again, this may be I might be being an absolute absolute hypocrite with the whole remove the brands thing, but like when Clemson was dominating the AC, especially like, you know, three years ago, I think it was when they were winning every game, but like 45 points, like that was a gap. There's not that big of a gap. Like, again, there's a bigger gap in the ACC power rankings than there are maybe the big 10 ones where you can put Michigan state first or Ohio state first, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think the, the gap is as drastic as, uh, as it kind of feels it is just based off looking at standings and records. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's just an overreaction because wake destroyed Duke, but listen, NC state would destroy Duke. Carolina already destroyed Duke. Hell, even Georgia tech destroyed Duke. Um, so listen, it's a bit of an overreaction. I don't, yes, there's a gap. When you talk about records rise, they got, Zero losses. Everyone else has two or more, right? Uh, Wake's definitely one. They've been my number one since week four when they were the only undefeated team left. Like, how can you not put them at one if they're the only undefeated team left? Um, and that was the same week State beat Clemson, and I almost put State at one over Wake. I was very close to, but I couldn't with good conscience knowing that there's an undefeated team right there and I have to put them at one. Um, there, the gap. You're right. The gap is not like what Clemson was a couple of years ago to the rest of the ACC, 
or to any other powerhouse you want to name in the country. Um, I think it's just a bit of an overreaction. Now, granted, yeah, Wake still has their toughest part of the schedule for the last month. UNC, State, Clemson, Boston College. Now, while I think that part of the schedule has lightened up in the last few weeks, that's still very hard. You have to go on the road to Chapel Hill and on the road at Death Valley, on the road to Chestnut Hill. And State is uh, drooling right now to come and beat you. State fans don't look ahead, but they're coming and drooling to beat you because they know if they win, they can easily win the, the Atlantic. So there's not that much of a gap. There's a gap, but it's not like a Clemson gap. The field is still there for Wake, and they have a tough part of the schedule coming up. So um, that's pretty much it. Uh, Micah, if you got anything else to add, I think – that about does it. Um, we are going to be recording right after the reveal of the first college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to be very, very fun. So that might be a little bit of a longer episode because we're going to be previewing and talk about the first reveal, see where the ACC teams lie and see if we're surprised by any other teams in the country that are, uh, higher, lower than what we thought. But uh, that's it for me, Micah. You got anything else? No, one one thing I just want to say, because obviously we'll be previewing it on Tuesday, but to give you guys the, the spreads that just came out earlier this afternoon, we've got three and a half, we've got two and a half, we've got a three, and we've got a three and a half. That's four games, three and a half or less in the spread. I won't say what games, because we'll be previewing those later in the week. All but one game is a spread under 10. It's kind of clear that, you know, I don't want to play spoiler, but Pitt and Duke is the one outlier here. <laughs> so this is going to be another fun week. I mean, granted, Wake Forest, North Carolina, out of conference, that's going to be so weird. But, man, I mean, I'm glad Virginia doesn't play this weekend. I mean, granted, I will not be really watching too much AC football as I – We'll be watching beautiful college football in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and El Paso, Texas. I'll get to see – I'll be at the Sun Bowl Stadium, future home of – I think I have Louisville playing there <laughs> in their bowl game this year. Um, but, yeah, this was, a, this, this was a fun week. I mean, obviously it didn't end well for, for my team, but overall a good week for the ACC. And, and in a way, I mean, as a Virginia fan – even though, again, the, the Armstrong stuff was a big, you know, a loss and obviously just losing the game in general. But they did get a win with, with Pitt's loss. So it wasn't a completely terrible weekend as a Virginia fan. So that's it for me, Nick. If you want to send us off, it's all you. Yeah, I can't wait for next week. Again, uh, big show on Tuesday for the college football playoff reveal, the first week of that. Uh, great week this week. Can't wait for next week. Uh, that's it for us. And go ACC. It just means a little bit less. Absolutely.